This EHIV Review Podcast is presented by DKB Med Radio. When we see these patients and we see that their COVID-19 test came back negative or we see that their influenza test came back negative, that's a time where we should really sort of pause and think about what else could be going on. Acute HIV infection in the emergency department. Welcome to EHIV Review. How can the emergency department become more effective in identifying acute HIV infection? What are the missed opportunities for screening? How can existing protocols be adapted without compromising clinicians' ability to provide emergent care? Those are some of the questions we're here to discuss today with our guests from Highland Hospital's Department of Emergency Medicine, that's part of the Alameda Healthcare System in Oakland, California, where Dr. Douglas White is an associate clinical professor and Dr. Eric Anderson is an attending physician. For our guest disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, ehivreview.org, and click on the Volume 6, Issue 6 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of the HIV Review. Dr. White, Dr. Anderson, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Appreciate it, Bob. Happy to be here. Let's start right in with our first learning objective. When to suspect an acute HIV infection in patients presenting to the emergency department. Uh, so if you would, please, Dr. Anderson, take us to the ED and start us out with a patient scenario. A 32-year-old male presents to the emergency department with subjective fevers, chills, myalgias, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. He's otherwise healthy and reports symptoms have been progressive over the last five days. On exam, his temperature is 101.7 Fahrenheit. He's minimally tachycardic and has mild abdominal tenderness without rebound or guarding. The provider orders blood testing, including a complete blood count, metabolic channel, liver function test, and lipase, as well as a urinalysis as part of his workup. A rapid fourth-generation HIV antigen antibody screening test was automatically linked to his blood work as part of the ED screening program. He's treated with IV fluids, antipyretics, and medications for nausea. Two hours later, the physician is notified by the laboratory that his rapid HIV test is reactive. We want to better understand when to suspect an acute HIV infection. That's our learning objective. Let's start with how the patient presents. Uh, Dr. White, does the nature of the symptoms fit with a potential diagnosis of acute HIV infection? Yes, it does. Most emergency department patients with acute HIV infection, we estimate approximately 80%, will have symptoms felt to be related to seroconversion, with fever being the most commonly reported. And this is usually going to be in conjunction with a variety of other nonspecific constitutional symptoms, which may include chills, nausea, abdominal pain, diarrhea, myalgias and malaise, headache, and sore throat. However, this does mean that you know, upwards of 20% of emergency department patients with acute HIV infection will actually not present with this kind of classic viral syndrome which makes a symptom-driven diagnostic approach for that subset of patients challenging. So a symptom-driven diagnostic approach by itself is going to miss a significant number of patients with potential HIV infection. The reactive rapid HIV test, that's not necessarily definitive either. Dr. Anderson, what else should happen in the diagnostic process? Well, at this point, a detailed risk assessment as well as prior testing history should be performed. And in this patient? So during the disclosure process, the emergency physician determined that this patient tested HIV negative two months ago and recently engaged in high-risk receptive anal intercourse without a condom with a new partner whose HIV status is unknown. This additional history helps with the diagnosis of an acute HIV infection. 
what you've been describing sounds like a commonplace, but well, let's call it less than thoroughly effective diagnostic process. Talk to us, if you would please, Dr. White, about what's needed to better identify patients with acute HIV infection in the ED. What are some of the key elements required? First, it's important to have the appropriate test that can allow you to detect acute HIV. And the newer laboratory-based antigen antibody tests, which we refer to as fourth-generation tests, these have the advantage over the antibody-only assays, which are referred to as third-generation tests, and that they can diagnose both acute HIV infection as well as more chronic or established infection. And this is because in addition to detecting HIV antibodies, these fourth-generation tests can detect the P24 antigen. And this is present during acute infection, often several days before the immune response develops antibodies. And secondly, HIV screening programs should be designed to have mechanisms that, in addition to the non-targeted universal screening, also target patients who are at increased risk for having acute HIV infection. Uh, How would that work? Let me give you an example. At our facility, routine non-targeted HIV screening is automated and integrated into our electronic health record such that an HIV test is automatically linked whenever the clinician orders a laboratory-based blood test. But in addition to this model, we've also built in a second layer of targeted testing, and this is aimed to reach high-risk patients. And with this more targeted model, what we do is we link HIV testing without any exclusions whenever a clinician orders a test for a sexually transmitted illness, such as syphilis, chlamydia, or gonorrhea, or when a physician orders tests for a nonspecific viral syndrome, such as influenza, mononucleosis, and more recently, COVID-19 infection. Third, it's important to note that HIV screening programs, they're undoubtedly going to miss some cases of acute HIV infection. This is because not all patients with a viral syndrome are sick enough to justify undergoing laboratory testing. And I think this is where physicians play an important role in diagnosing acute HIV infection. Emergency physicians, they need education and they need awareness of what acute HIV infection looks like. And they have to have a a low threshold for initiating HIV testing for all patients who present with a nonspecific viral syndrome. Let's say that the protocol you described confirmed that this patient, or any patient in your ED, has acute HIV infection. What's next? Identifying and treating acute HIV infection has important public health implications. Initiating antiretroviral therapy during the early stage of HIV infection significantly reduces transmission, and earlier treatment of HIV compared with delayed treatment provides long-term clinical benefits for patients. I think for these reasons, acute HIV should be acted on in the emergency department with real-time result disclosure and coordination with HIV treating providers for warm handoffs to care. Early initiation of antiretroviral therapy is an emerging consideration for ED patients suspected of having acute HIV infection. In this case of a patient with a high likelihood of acute HIV infection based on clinical findings, along with a reactive fourth-generation HIV test, prescribing an ART regimen that has high potency, high tolerability, and a high barrier to resistance should be initiated. An HIV genotype should be ordered and a handoff with the outpatient HIV ID provider should be initiated. So in your ED, you're able to diagnose acute HIV infection with a high degree of confidence, you initiate treatment, and you hand off care to an outpatient provider. 
it seems like a good system. How can it be replicated? Emergency department-based HIV screening programs should be developed in collaboration with HIV and infectious disease specialists and dedicated pathways for linkage to care and treatment for specific patient scenarios, specifically ones such as what we're talking about now, the suspected acute HIV infection, need to be established. And when possible, 24-hour clinical support for emergency providers who will infrequently encounter these clinical scenarios is recommended. Thank you, doctors, for that interesting and informative discussion. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective. When to suspect acute HIV infection in patients presenting to the emergency department? What are the key things our listeners need to know? Dr. Anderson? Acute HIV is a common ED presentation that can be difficult to diagnose, in large part because the symptoms can be misdiagnosed as some other type of common ED presentation, such as influenza or even COVID-19. This makes acute HIV difficult to diagnose without an HIV screening program that routinizes HIV screening. When we use routine HIV screening with a fourth-generation antigen-antibody platform, this can help detect acute HIV infections, which are difficult to diagnose in the emergency department. In addition to routine testing, emergency providers can also use diagnostic testing as an adjunct. So when a clinical scenario suggests acute HIV infection because of the history or prior testing, or when a patient presents for STD testing, providers can add on HIV screening that may not have otherwise been linked to the testing in that ED presentation. Lastly, when we do suspect acute HIV in the emergency department, we should be actively engaging with our colleagues, especially our infectious disease colleagues, who can help to link the patient to care emergently, as well as consider the initiation of ARTs in the emergency department. Thank you, doctors. And we'll return with Dr. Douglas White and Dr. Eric Anderson from the Alameda Health System in just a moment. COVID-19, how is the pandemic affecting people living with HIV? Is there increased susceptibility in this population? Does HIV infection increase the chances of more severe disease? Or is it possible that our adherence may be protective and might even reduce disease severity? What does the evidence say? And how is the pandemic affecting frontline practitioners in their clinics? That's the focus of EHIV Review's special edition, HIV and COVID-19, The Data and the Real World. It's where EHIV Review Program Director, Dr. Matthew Spinelli, from the University of California, San Francisco, analyzes the most important current literature, and where he speaks directly with frontline clinicians as they navigate a disrupted healthcare system. To access HIV and COVID-19, The Data and the Real World, click on the COVID-19 special edition link at ehivreview.org. Welcome back to our EHIV Review Podcast. We've been talking with Dr. Douglas White and Dr. Eric Anderson. They're both from the Department of Emergency Medicine at Highland Hospital in Oakland, California, about when to suspect acute HIV infection in patients presenting to the emergency department. Let's turn now to our second learning objective, strategies to avoid missed opportunities for HIV diagnosis in patients presenting to the ED. So take us back to the clinic, if you would please, Dr. White, with another patient scenario. A 32-year-old male presents to the emergency department with cough, fever, and weight loss for two and a half months. Our review reveals that he was seen one month ago for similar symptoms, cough and fever, and was found at that time to have a multifocal pneumonia presumed to be COVID-19 pulmonary infection. He was discharged to quarantine at home and did not undergo blood testing. His COVID-19 PCR test 
which returned after that visit, was negative. Patient could not be contacted and did not attend any follow-up appointments until today's emergency department visit. His past medical history was only remarkable for being treated for chlamydia six months ago at a different emergency department. On this current presentation, the patient was febrile, tachypnic, hypoxic, with a multifocal infiltrate on chest x-ray. In addition to routine blood work, a screening HIV test was automatically performed as part of his emergency department care. This result came back positive, and the treating physician was notified of the result while the patient was still in the ED. The patient reports being sexually active with men, using condoms inconsistently, and has not been tested for HIV before. Based on this test, the provider expanded her differential to include pneumocystis pneumonia and initiated empiric treatment with trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, as well as steroids, in addition to typical antibiotics for community-acquired pneumonia. The patient's HIV was confirmed positive, his CD4 count was less than 50, and further testing confirmed pneumocystis pneumonia. After recovering from his initial illness, he was started on antiretroviral treatment and successfully linked to HIV specialty care. This patient's HIV infection was discovered only because he was treated in an ED that automatically performed HIV testing. Dr. Anderson, your thoughts? You know, I think that providers should consider HIV realistically for any patient with a pneumonia, especially a multifocal pneumonia. While this can be difficult to differentiate when we feel overwhelmed with COVID-19 pneumonias, it is something that we should consider in patients presenting to the emergency department. It can be really difficult, though, because patients who are otherwise well-appearing with symptoms of COVID-19 might not receive any additional testing aside from COVID-19 diagnostics, in part because they might not be necessary, but also because we do want to minimize the infectious risk to staff for some of these patients as well. That's a very valid point, doctor. Yeah, Bob, these are really difficult cases, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's focus on COVID. On his first trip to the ED, this patient had what seemed to be a high-risk clinical presentation for COVID. He also, from his past medical history, had been treated for an STI six months prior, so he also had HIV risk factors. First, I want to say that this is a situation we've had in our emergency department, and we know from our colleagues has happened other places too, and they are really difficult cases. If the providers were able to dig a little bit more into the history and establish some of their risk for HIV, it might have prompted them to add on additional diagnostic testing for HIV. So some of this is about knowing and understanding and educating providers about when to think about HIV infection, especially a patient with advanced HIV. But it also might prompt them to order more diagnostic testing for patients when we think that they might have a more common presentation, especially at this time of COVID-19 pneumonia. And what about screening programs? There are a couple of models of an HIV screening program that might help pick up these cases that are kind of hidden amongst a lot of common presentations. Such as? One type of model is a nurse-driven model, and that's one where patients are screened for HIV risk factors in triage. If, if this patient had presented to an emergency department where such a program existed, they might have asked for risk factors such as MSM or other high-risk sexual practices and then be offered HIV testing. That potentially would have helped diagnose HIV for this patient during their first emergency department presentation. You know, one other thing like we talked about before is that educating providers about risk factors or some physical signs of a, an established HIV infection 
could have also prompted the provider when they're seeing them at the bedside to go ahead and order an HIV test for that patient. Dr. White, your thoughts? Many screening programs, including our program at Highland, configure the electronic health record to automatically order HIV testing for any patient who's also tested for a sexually transmitted infection, such as chlamydia, gonorrhea, or syphilis. And such a program, had it been in place at one of these other ERs that the patient went to, would have actually diagnosed his HIV six months earlier when he was actually seen and treated for chlamydia. Now, in addition to sexually transmitted illness testing, linking HIV testing to other non-phlebotomy-based tests for diagnoses that have clinical presentations that might overlap with symptomatic HIV infections, such as influenza and COVID-19, should also be considered. And I also want to emphasize this point, you know, as a practicing emergency physician myself, that we as the physicians have a responsibility to know what acute HIV and chronic HIV and AIDS look like. And we need to have a, an incredibly low threshold to perform adjunct diagnostic testing. That We can't rely purely on a screening program. We have to actually use our clinical judgment. And we really should be aware of what these diseases look like and test liberally and often. And the, the type of illnesses and clinical scenarios we're talking about are, are pretty basic. We're talking about patients who have unexplained weight loss, diffuse lymphadenopathy, chronic unexplained diarrhea, rashes that we don't know what they are, shingles, thrush, abnormal white blood cell count, recurrent skin soft tissue infections, multifocal pneumonias, like in this case. And this is just to name a few. And I think if physicians thought about these kind of HIV-related diagnoses, and basically had really no barrier to implementing testing, this would go a long way to identifying patients with HIV. One last question. For providers who understand the value of improving HIV screening in the emergency department and who want to institute changes in that direction, from your experience, Dr. Anderson, what would you recommend? I think that an automated universal screening program really would be the most helpful, although I understand that that's not practical or available in every department. The benefit, though, is that patients can sort of go through the normal emergency department care, and if blood tests are linked to HIV testing, as our program at Highland, that's something that you can sort of continue throughout the pandemic. You know, that said, a lot of patients with upper respiratory symptoms during COVID-19 pandemic might not be getting other blood draws. And so that, I think, can be a difficult situation for programs that exist currently. There's a couple other alternative screening methods that can be used specifically for patients with viral symptoms, such as using oral swabs or point-of-care testing. And those might be useful during the COVID-19 pandemic as they can minimize intervention for potentially infectious patients. Additionally, when we see these patients and we see that their COVID-19 test came back negative or we see that their influenza test came back negative, that's a time where we should really sort of pause and think about what else could be going on. And maybe that's a time to go back to the bedside and get some additional history or risk factors that might prompt us to order an HIV test, especially when we're seeing younger patients with multifocal pneumonias or younger patients who present more ill than we expect from COVID-19, then we should expand our differential to include some other testing that should include an HIV test as well. Thank you, doctors, for this very interesting discussion. Let's wrap things up now by returning to our learning objective, strategies to avoid missed opportunity for HIV diagnosis in patients presenting to the ED. Dr. White, what are the most important things our listeners should take away from our conversation? 
there are several strategies to augment non-targeted screening programs in the emergency department. Providers should consider when to add HIV testing to patients who may otherwise not be receiving blood drugs. And HIV screening should be routinely performed for all patients undergoing sexually transmitted illness testing, as well as testing for febrile pulmonary respiratory illnesses, including influenza and COVID-19. And lastly, during the COVID-19 pandemic, HIV diagnosis should remain on the differential for all patients with a viral syndrome and lower respiratory infections. From the emergency department at Highland Hospital in Oakland, California's Alameda Health System, Dr. Douglas White, Dr. Eric Anderson, thank you for participating in this EHIV Review podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you highlighting this important topic. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure. For EHIV Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at ehiv.dkpmed.com. EHIV Review is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Janssen, and Merck & Company Incorporated. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. EHIV Review is copyright, with all rights reserved, by DKB Med, LLC. Thank you for listening.